Hello, Annie Trenders, and welcome back to a very special episode of uh, the Annie Trains podcast. That's what I'm calling it. Yes. Uh, I'm your host, Mehdi, and in this warm California evening, it's really hot, I'm joined by James and Nico. Hello, everybody. I'm very excited to talk about today's topic. And I'm very excited to hear James being very excited about this topic. And I'm very excited to hear uh, excited. I, I hope you guys are excited. I'm I'm high energy. All right. So why why are we talking about trains right now? What's the what's the big well, deal? Because James is here. James, is, yeah, because I'm. It's here. always train trains. That's why we have to hold yeah. them back every podcast. Yeah. If I had my way, this would just be a railroading podcast that calls itself an anime podcast. No, so yeah, there was uh, you may, have, may may not have heard there was this uh, pretty big anime movie uh, in theaters right now. It's about a train, Demon Slayer, Mugen Train. Uh, we're going to be diving into that today. Not only in reviewing the movie as a whole, but um, James is even going to do a bit of an anime on rails, you know, special. So if that's your thing, yeah. stick around. For the, if for it's the... not, <laughs> you're you're already here, so just you know stick with it. Yeah, for, for those of you that don't know, I had uh, a short-lived Tumblr page, oof, Tumblr, uh, that I converted into a series of articles on anime trending uh, called Anime on Rails, where I will talk about railroading and, and its relationship to anime, because there are a lot of trains in Japan. But before we do that, it's time for a chart check. Yeah. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. I'm very excited for the chart check, uh, and I've got it up right here, so let's just dive right into our top ten. Oh my gosh. All right, well... Uh, number What's one's, the date of this chart, by the way? Uh, this is the one that just came... This is week three, so this was published on May 2nd. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Uh, number one is Higehiro. After being rejected, I shaved and took in a high school runaway. Number two is 86, 86. Number three is Vivi, Fluorite's Eyes Song. Number four is To Your Eternity. Number five is Fruits Basket, The Final Season. Number six is Tokyo Revengers. Number seven is Don't Toy With Me, Miss Nagatoro. Number eight is Osamake, rom-com where the childhood friend won't lose. Uh, number nine is My Hero Academia Season 5. And spot ten is Combatants Will Be Dispatched. Uh, lots of lots of big jumps and then also some things staying exactly the same. Which ones are staying the same? We have uh, Hige Hero and 86... 86 i can't get over the name (laughs) that's yeah it's by far the most irritating name for me they've been at number one and two respectively for three weeks which i think might be the longest i've ever seen i don't know i think three weeks is kind of the limit if they stick around for four i'm pretty sure that's a record Mm -hmm. i I don't know off the top of my head the record for maintaining a number one spot but i wouldn't be surprised if we've had seasons in the past where the same show had it most of the season yeah i just i I have to no, no, go ahead. It's just interesting because it's not like Hikihiro climbed to number one and then like stayed there. It started at the first position. Yeah, that's true. Um, what's interesting though, I think um, one of our members made a post about it on Facebook recently, but the current top 10 chart is quite a departure from the most anticipated chart, which makes sense. We had a lot of originals and surprises this season, I think. Mm-hmm, for sure. I have to confess that of the top 10, the only anime I'm caught up on is Hero Academia, and the only other one I've even started is To Your Eternity. Oh my gosh. Well, but it, I took I took a, a brief vacation, so I'm behind on every single show. 
<laughs> Trigger Trinity has been fantastic. I think that's the one where, like, the very first episode kind of hooks you. But the, what I wanted to talk about... Oh, yeah. Uh, Vivi, Fluoride Eyes song. According to Wit Studio, this is them quote not even trying when they're making this show <laughs> oh my god they, they've been on record saying we're just kind of like taking it easy with producing this show and it's fantastic so <laughs> i highly flexing it's like one of the biggest anime flexes i've seen in a while where they're just like yeah official statement yeah this isn't even our best haha <laughs> so I've if you haven't seen baby I, I highly recommend it it's very gripping i'll get around yeah. to it it, it's on my radar, but that's the thing about this season. It's not even like I'm not watching much or that I'm watching mediocre shows. It's like I'm watching shows I consider to be very high quality, like Odd Taxi, SSSS Dinazenon, um, and, you know, Zombieland Saga Revenge, if I'm including sequels, like things like that, that I'm guessing are in our top 20 somewhere. But uh, Well, Zombieland yeah. Saga Revenge is 14. It's been there for the last two weeks. Uh, uh-huh. Let's see... Dino Xenon is 26th. Oof. And Odd Taxi is 29th. Oh, that, that is a crime. Watch Odd Taxi. Watch Odd Taxi. <laughs> I know I'm sleeping on at least eight fantastic shows right now, but, like, please, Odd Taxi. Watch Odd Taxi. <laughs> if it weren't for the fact that the Mugen Train movie came out, this would be the Odd Taxi podcast. Uh, yeah, exactly. Because Odd Taxi, like, <laughs> it's, James it's, has it's been not too late. Nonstop talking about Odd Taxi this whole week. He's just like, I love the show, love the show, love the show, love the show. And <laughs> then I caught up and I started messaging more about it. I overtook James. Like I caught up further than him. <laughs> yeah. How dare I take a vacation? Mm-hmm. All right. So that's our chart check. Yeah. Uh, this season is really stacked, as I'm sure you've heard a million times from us and every other anime outlet on the internet. We we say it every season, and every season it's true. And as but as... it keeps ramping up. I, I swear this has been happening since like 2018. I have heard. I thought last season was good, but this season, and it's just been that continuously for like three years at least. Yeah. Uh, like, jeez. Oh, yeah. Anyway, good shows. Watch them. Watch Odd Taxi more than all the others, though, because Odd Taxi is is the least appreciated. I st- even if it's not in the top ten, I it's a crime that it isn't in the top twenty. Yeah, I agree. But don't you feel like you have a sense of superiority knowing that it's like so not mainstream right now, and you're just like, oh, it's the best show. T- it's like something different. You're like, I have so much better taste than everyone else in the community. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> Nick. Nick we're, we're hosting an anime podcast. All of that is kind of a given here. Yeah. <laughs> if we didn't think, if we didn't think our opinions needed to be heard, why would we bother recording this? <laughs> it's kind of a time capsule, you know, just in case, like. We all disappear. There'll there'll be this record somewhere where they're just like, this is is what anime I liked. So go watch it. This is how historians will remember us. Some archaeologist a hundred years from now is going to dust off some almost broken hard drive, plug it into whatever newfangled computer they've got, and the first thing that's going to pop up is just us ranting about shows. Yep, we're the last bastions of culture. (laughs) I don't know how to process this... uh... We're, we're just ascending is kind of like what this is we're just kind of like one-upping each other we're like yeah we're totally <laughs> we're yeah, totally yeah, we're cultured totally as we keep climbing up but before we get too derailed uh james yeah so speaking of really good anime from the past uh 
couple years, Demon Slayer Mugen Train. Yeah. So, um, James and I saw this in theaters about a week and a half a week ago. Now. Yeah. So, so we've, we've had time to, to collect our thoughts. We didn't jump right into it. Um, and as far as I know, uh, you, this is still playing in many movie theaters across North America, possibly other territories. I think just United States, United States, Canada, maybe Canada. Right I don't know. I don't think I'm it's US opened based. up in Canada yet, but it, it should be by this week. Like everything is kind of still running with box office. Yeah. Cause the most important news we mm-hmm. saw this week was that demon slayer actually was the number one movie in the U S box office. It dethroned so... mortal Kombat. Oh, did it? It did. And that's the surprising part of just like seeing those in number one, number two is just like insane. Yeah, because when it was its first weekend, it was number two. And the argument could be made that like, oh, it's got no competition. But the real um, impressive bit is that its opening weekend broke the record for the strongest opening weekend of any foreign film in the United States. Not just animated, not just Japanese, just any foreign film in the U.S., it broke the opening weekend record. Yeah, that's true. And I mean, if you look at it from the anime perspective, I mean, the next closest movies that came close was that um, Dragon Ball Z Broly movie. There was like a My Hero Academia movie. I mean, it's kind of insane mm-hmm. when you're looking at the numbers over the years where I think studios have realized there is a market for international film releases. And in the U.S., they're realizing, oh, people will come because I know that there's a, a huge issue where there's like movies that are just like one night only or, or like one of those event oh, yeah. rights where it's just like you have to go to the we, one We've thing. lived those days. Yeah, we're still living in those <laughs> yeah. days and I'm hoping like every year I think we get a longer window to watch window, some of yeah. these movies. And I yeah, remember, becomes, I remember like, when it used to be an anime film was like only on Saturday, only on this Saturday at the tiny independent theater that shows art house films. Yeah, you gotta drive to, like, San Francisco or Sacramento. Like You gotta drive to the our... Tower Theater in yeah. Sacramento <laughs> yeah. for a 2 p.m. <laughs> screening. That's specific. Well, you that's because... You know where to find James now. <laughs> yeah, you know where to find... You, you, you know where I used to be. You'll be by the train tracks. <laughs> so they're one step close. Yeah, that's true. Honestly, just go to your local train station, and James is probably there. Probably. No matter where you live. Uh, <laughs> I am omnipresent, but only at train but all, all that aside, <laughs> um, serious talk. Um, you know, we want, we want to put a disclaimer that while movies are showing in theaters and a lot of theaters have opened back up in the country and other places in the world, you know, we still encourage everyone to exercise caution and be responsible given the pandemic situation. You know, wear masks or forego going to the theaters at all if you are at risk or live with someone at risk personally we were all vaccinated and and masked up and that too yeah (laughs) yes my my, with all those in mind my one disclaimer uh, i was not able to go to the theaters to watch demon slayer (laughs) the fun fact is that there was one night i owned a playstation 4 and the word on Anna Twitter was somebody messed up at Sony and accidentally somehow put Mugen Train onto the PlayStation 4 store. You could not buy it on PlayStation 5. Only somehow <laughs> PlayStation 4. For... Oh, I didn't know that. That's part. the part that's, that's really funny. Like, you could also yeah. put it on your phone and, like, download it. Um, but I was, so I paid, like, what is it, $13 or whatever the store DVD charge was in order yeah. to watch the film because I was not fully vaccinated yet and I couldn't make the decision to go to the um, theater because theater. I wasn't wasn't fully ready. 
um, responsible. Yeah, exactly. It was like it was like one of those things where we saw the news and we're like, "Is this is this real?" And we like, I bought it. I saw <laughs> the the logo play, and I'm like, "Okay, I'm sitting down watching this film right now because I don't know if this <laughs> film is gonna get like taken off like immediately." Um, How long did you did you have access to it? I want to say it was. I, I downloaded it like 8 p.m. one night, watched it, mm-hmm. and then by like 8 a.m. the next morning it was done. So Oh, so it wasn't like a 24-hour thing. No, it was like an 8-hour one. I have to check my PlayStation yeah. if I still have it on because I know it uses the network to get it. So it's not physically downloading um, the movie. It's actually right. it's actually connecting yeah, yeah. to Sony servers yeah, to pull the movie. It's streaming, yeah. And yeah. I my, my credit card got charged, so I'm, I'm supporting whatever and like... <laughs> Either way, my money's going back to Sony because Aniplex yeah. also owns Demon Slayer and is owned by Sony. But someone lost their job for this, I guarantee you. <laughs> now, before anyone listening runs to turn on their PS4, it it's, has since it been taken 100% down. hundred like, percent been taken down. Very next day, I have no idea who messed up. They they fixed the they fixed the issue. Yeah, support the official release because that was supposed to release in June. Um, yeah, and, and so technically, you did support the official release. Your money went to the right people, just at the wrong time. Yeah, yeah. exactly, like the <laughs> wrong time. <laughs> it's just not going to get counted for the box office numbers, which might be a yeah. shame. But like I, at this point, the, well, mo- true. the the wave is so big that like I don't think it's going to kill the momentum. I mean, the fact that like the next weekend it it beat out Mortal Kombat. I mean, it's just insane. Yeah, yeah, it's. It, yeah, and it's a and it'll be worth supporting when it comes out in a physical release, as we're going to cover in our review or discussion. Yeah, uh, speaking of that, what, what did we actually think of the movie itself? I liked it. I'm gonna buy it on Blu-ray when it comes out. I really loved it. Um, how do I describe? It? Like, there's so many parts I really want to talk about. Like, maybe we just kind of go round table and be like, what was the strong parts for you? Like, for sure, for sure. I think that's not a bad idea. Yeah. All right, I mean, I'll start because I, I well, I want to mention first that I also really enjoyed it, and I should preface everything with the fact that I was not, am not caught up on the Demon Slayer anime. Oh yeah, like, we tried <laughs> to get you. To, we tried to get you to watch and, like, it. Ten, I've seen like ten episodes tops, and I just wanted the movie. Like, okay, well, I'm not caught up, but like, I'm sure it's not going to be that big of a deal. I'm still familiar with the characters and the ones that like. I hadn't been introduced to in the anime. I've just seen so much about online, namely Zenitsu and um, Inosuke. Inosuke, <laughs> whose name took me a minute. Pig there. boy. But honestly, I wasn't wrong. The movie was still great. Stand not truly standalone, but like with my very limited base knowledge of Demon Slayer, I was like, okay, yeah, I have my footing. Which I think is a testament to the film itself. I know a lot of times for anime films, one of the things that's important is to view it as somebody that's watched everything else and view it just as a standalone film. And while I don't know if it'll hold up necessarily as just a standalone film, if you have just the briefest of like background information, then you're in for a good time. Like you just need to know maybe two or three paragraphs worth of information and then you're good to go to just have, you know, a good movie going experience. Yeah. Cause I have also had that experience where, anime movies are like so standalone that they just feel inconsequential and even like worse in quality than like the main tv series where you're like man i finished this tv anime i loved it i want to watch more of it oh cool there's like a sequel movie or a side story movie and i haven't seen this trend as much lately but in the past i definitely watched some of those and just thought like oh that was that was okay that wasn't like more of what i wanted 
Mm-hmm. I have no concrete examples to back this up. But I just have this feeling that I went through that before. How do I describe it? Maybe like there's there's side side anime movies where it's like the the show is already complete, but they're like let's do something else. Like uh, the only examples yeah. I can think of are like Cowboy Bebop or like Afro Samurai, where they're like let's make Afro Samurai Resurrection. Like after like the entire plot was already pretty yeah. much done, and they're like let's oh, yeah. let's do more well, killing right, yeah. and like let's just let's just open the door again, and you're like. Okay, but, like, this one, it's, like, this is necessary to continue the plot of the show. Yeah, exactly. So it's, like, you can't not watch this and then jump into season two and be, like, what is yeah, going yeah. on? Yeah. So, that that's one tick in its favor. Uh, I want to talk about, I have a couple, you know, there's the usual visual things, audio things, story thing. Um, but two things I think stuck out to me, well, three things, I guess. One of them is just, I really like the backgrounds. I think that they were just super pretty. It's the kind of thing where I go, all right, I'm going to get this. And I'm going to put it as like a desktop wallpaper, uh, because there's some gorgeous looking just, and it, it is also involving trains, but like some gorgeous shots of like these, you know, valley at night, you've got the forest, you got the train tracks, you got the train and it's, it's so pretty and so nice to look at. So I think the backgrounds are really well done, which I don't think was as much of a thing in the actual anime because it's it's the camera. Sp- I think I recall it spending a lot more time focusing on individual characters as 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 opposed to like these sweeping shots that you get um, at the beginning and also sometimes even in the middle of the film. Well, it's interesting. There's a contrast I would say between like the the grand sweeping shots, like you said, where you're like, wow, the train is moving through the landscape. But we also had so much that was just in close close quarters, like within a train cabin. Yes. Or car. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, the second thing I wanted to mention was uh, these are going to be positive things. I have one thing that kind of stuck out as a... I thought we were doing num- one thing for everybody. No. <laughs> well, there, number two. <laughs> there, was a, there was a lull in the conversation and I took it. Uh, um is the sound design uh aside from voice acting aside um i'm talking about like sound effects because for me mm-hmm. uh and this was particularly for aspects of like the train but the things that are made out of wood so when you had like wood breaking or when you had like wooden doors opening or even like the clack of the bento boxes against each other i don't know if it was just the theater experience and having a very big, you know, a massive expensive sound system to be uh, playing all of it. But the noises sounded really crisp. They sounded really clean. Hmm. Uh, It it made me happy in a way that I did not like, I didn't expect it to stand out to me. And I was, I was really, uh, you know, I was really excited about it. It made me happy. Yeah. I don't think I had that particular experience, but the one sound design that I, particularly remember is when Zenitsu had his really cool moment and the noise it makes mm. when the bass just completely drops right as he passes out and does his signature oh, yeah. lightning. I, yeah. I, I love the sound design around his lightning stuff. I know, right? It's like it's like, oh man, like I don't even like Zenitsu as a character, but those parts are <laughs> so cool to me that I'm just like, wow, that was a fantastic person. I mean I think all the characters had individual, like really strong moments. Um Particularly with oh, really, the yeah. dream sequence. You guys want to talk about that? I, I, I was going to say, yeah, the, the dream sequences were great. Because, I again, I wasn't caught up. I'm still not caught up on Demon Slayer. So my impressions of Inosuke and Zenitsu are <laughs> pretty much just the memes I see in the clips. And 
I was like, wow, these two are exactly like a hundred percent how I was led to believe <laughs> they would be. But because their dream sequences were hilarious because of that. And I like I have to say, um, since Zenitsu wasn't like a big focus of the movie, it's not like he had a lot of time to be annoying to me. He pretty much just had his looking cool moments or being funny moments. Yeah, exactly. Like how his dream um, sequence is like yeah. when they're all back put to sleep like his dream sequence is him frolicking in the in the meadows with nezuko until yeah. somebody else enters his subconscious yeah and, and then his subconscious completely <laughs> shuts down being like what is this foreign intruder yeah. yeah i mean personally like inusuke is my favorite and i think like his subtle moments yeah. in like the first half of the film i was rolling like every single time where he yeah. he runs onto the train being like, all right, it's time to fight the train. Let's fight, let's fight the train. And you're like, you know, okay, please, you jungle child, just chill, please. And then that creeping realization comes onto you that like, oh God, they're going to fight the train. He has a dream <laughs> that he's going to fight the train. And then they end up fighting the train. <laughs> and he's like, I knew it. Or the other part, like before everything goes crazy, where he's he's again shouting how much he wants to fight the train. There's like other people on this train being like, "Who is this guy in a boar mask that's freaking out? Am I even safe?" Yeah. And then the conductor comes up, be like, "Hey, can you give us your ticket?" He just he's the one who calmly gives his ticket to the conductor. Oh yeah. And gets, he's just he's just chills like he's done this a million times, and I thought that was like one of the funniest like subtle gags for Inosuke that I was I was rolling on that. Like, all in all, it was... The film did a very good job at characterizing its characters. That's a redundant sentence. Yeah, but, even, yeah. like, they introduced a character that you had pretty much no concept of before with Rengoku, right. and by the end of it, I mean, mm -hmm. I think he he was the strongest character from the whole series, I think, and it's crazy how they could do oh, that yeah. in such a short amount of time on this film. Yeah, the movie is very much about him. But um, for, for someone who wasn't fully introduced to all the characters yet, it did a very good job of just making me familiar and comfortable with everyone in the cast. Yeah, absolutely. That's why it's almost like you could even just lend that argument how accessible the film was. Um, it set, it mm -hmm. sets everything up really quick, even within the dream sequence, that even if you had yeah. no idea about Tanjiro's backstory... Um, like it, it was already present. It, it laid it all out yeah. for you in in part of the film. It tied it all back to the beginning and why they fought and everything the, the, else. I have to say, like the only like minor thing that caught me off guard or I felt like I needed to go back and catch up on something were the allusions to Tanjiro's father and like something about the uh, like the Kagura dance oh, move or something. So I'm like, oh, I didn't know his dad was a relevant person yeah like the like, okay. one something was revealed about that okay but like yeah like in, in the context it was still you know plenty understandable for sure okay. i'm i'm i i we mentioned that like the the movie is ren goku's film which it is because it introduces him and then uh it completes his arc <laughs> <laughs> i don't I, I, I everything is uh implicitly spoiler tagged on this podcast yeah, yeah. <laughs> how do i mean the manga is pretty popular and if you're watching the film uh i don't want to say if you're watching the film i'm going to assume you've read the manga but uh spoiler alert rengoku dies and that's where the movie concludes yeah but how does Which, he die does the train kill him no that's no. the thing is is after they defeat the train they fight uh like Akaza, who's like what lower or upper three or something like that. Upper yeah. three, I think it said. Yeah. Yeah, and and so I know that that 
whole separation of the fights was something that Mehdi, you brought up like right after we left the theater. Um, oh yeah, and and I've heard this from a lot of people, and they concluded that um, it it really feels like it was two back to back movies, or that the movie was like two long episodes back to back, and like the common thread that like makes them work together thematically is Rengoku. But yeah, like it, it was a little. Like, the movie already felt so long after the whole train bit concluded. I'm like, okay, we're going to wrap up and be done now. Then I'm like, oh, there's just yeah. a whole nother fight. Yeah, like, like whole oh, this is going. <laughs> like, it yeah. just, it, you're on your roller coaster and you think you're, you've reached the end. But then it's like, oh, we're going up, like, even higher There's like than we already, I, yeah. Which, I mean, I, I agree with the, it, it could have been two movies from the perspective of, these are very clearly like two specific arcs, you know. There's the train, and then there's the uh, the the Akaza fight. Uh, but from the perspective of like, I guess like a producer or like a production head, it's really hard to be like these are two separate films because if in the movie itself it's like two thirds train and then one third final fight, and so if you break that up, yeah. you've got an hour of train and then a half hour of fight. And- and, like, by no means do I think it should have been two movies. I just mean, I watched a long movie that felt like two disconnected, you know, plots at a couple... Not not even disconnected, because that's inaccurate, but, like... It just felt like I... It auto-played into the next episode. That's the best way to <laughs> yeah, put it. Yeah, like, the hard part is that, like, it's so linked to the train, because if Ox is there, like, he could kill all the people that were on the train that we had just saved... And so, yeah. like, the common thread is, like, you can't really stop there, but maybe if there was a better transition be- instead of it just being, he kind of just appears out of nowhere. My head <laughs> That's cannon. the thing that messes me up. Yeah, like, he kind of just appears, like, we-, we killed the last demon, we're like, yeah, we did it, we stopped the train, the train is derailed, we're stuck in the middle of nowhere, and then Upper Three shows up, and you're like, what the heck? Like, because... I don't know if, like, implicitly the demon that was trying to take over the train, uh, Lower One was trying like they kind of mentioned that he was going to try to challenge one of the uppers to get into that division with using the train yeah so yeah there was kind of that thought but i guess there was just no thought of like oh there's probably a big demon in this general area that the train is about to derail in which i feel like that's the part that makes the pacing jarring Mm. um yeah and i feel like it wouldn't have and this is weird because we're now talking about like plot part, you know, story parts of the film, <laughs> which is tied to the manga, which ended, you know, like what, a year and a half ago or something. And so, or a year ago. And so it's like, oh man, it would be great if the manga that's already completely done would have done this. And then that would have translated into the movie. But yeah, like even just a throwaway one line of like, oh, I was waiting for the train to arrive and it didn't show up on time or something like that. Yeah, would have been, been. I think the manga does like a little bit of that where it's like there's a little bit more of a wait between them. But it, it still has like a quick transition into the next arc because it, it takes place right at the crash site of, of yeah. the moving train. Um, mm-hmm. And like there's, you can't just end it there before the fight and then just say, OK, come back to season two. Like we would we would not. Would they would be people yeah, would no, be upset. No, no. Yeah. No, I mean I think again, after I've completed the film, all of it was fantastic. I was just it's for the most part it wasn't a bad thing. It's kinda like you finish your your really tasty dinner and then you're like, 
Well, there's dessert too? Like, I thought I was full, but this is a really good dessert, so I'm not actually full. Yeah, except yeah. for the, the, for me, it was almost like the dessert filled me up with despair rather than actual, like, ice cream or whatever <laughs> sweetness that I would get. Because the second Rangoku starts clashing blows with Upper 3 with Akaza, it's like... The fact that, like, they're, they're now evenly matched for this whole film. Rengoku's been disposing of, like, anything in front of him and protecting people with such ease. That, yeah. That part honestly chilled me when I saw that because at that, you don't know what's going to happen. Like, there's a real chance that, like, he could right. he could beat Akaza. He could lose. He's, he could lose because he's mortal. You don't know if he's going to make the choice to become demon in order to surpass him. Yeah. Like, it all bets were off in that fight and... For once, it was almost yeah. like I couldn't predict what was going to happen, like, as far as a shonen storyline right. was going to go. And to the very end, it kept playing with your expectations, where you're like, oh no, he's lost. Oh, this is it. He, he's like, he's winning. And like, oh no, he lost. Oh no, he definitely lost. Like, oh my god, he still got it in him. Like, we yeah, got it in I him. was. And it's like, ah, no. And then it's, it's, yeah, the fact that it was that close and what's his face up or three still, you know, gets away in the end. But. It's such a powerful moment for, first of all, Tanjiro just yelling at him. Um, but also Rengoku just accepting the outcome and all that and be, being pleased. And they reiterate it so many times, like when um, others hear of his passing and all that, that like, oh, he protected everyone. Sounds like he was very successful. Like, he won. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, the fact that he fought this this demon to a standstill, like, his They've implied that, like, these demons have been alive for hundreds of years and have slain many of, um, what are they called? I'm not gonna... Hashira. 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 Yeah, I was like, yeah. I was about to call them Majimas, and I'm like, that's not correct. Yeah. That's a Yakuza character. And I, I'm pretty sure it translates to pillars, too. Yeah. Right? Yeah, exactly. Like, he seems like, like, Rengoku seems like he's one of the strongest ones, so it's like the, the despair you have of knowing that there's, like, two more much stronger demons ahead of this guy and there's uh the main big bad um muzan kind of gives you that hopeless vibe oh, muzan, yeah. but it's the fact that he's yeah. able to fight him stand still knowing that like uh, tanjiro can uh keep going where he was um especially that last fight where like like rengoku's about to go you don't know if he's gonna keep going like when the the, the animation on the sword how it curved down and he turned it back up to try to get the head yeah. i was on the edge of my seat because i didn't know if that that moment like he was going to die or if it was going to be something where like they both kill each other in, like a massive standoff yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> so that 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 brings up the like the fact that the animation the action animation was again stellar i i know oh yeah in the show, you know, when it was when it was a TV series, it was something that was you know very frequently praised, uh, and it it still deserves praise. It is it was high energy, but also pretty. It wasn't hard to follow. Mm-hmm. I know that can be the downside if you're trying to do too much. Is that suddenly people mm-hmm. will, like lose track of where the fight is? But yeah, uh, yeah, it's true. I mean that, and even like the gooey parts with the train and everything else. When <laughs> <laughs> oh, the whole I have... thing was very engaging and pretty followable. Mm-hmm. in a good way yeah i have i have words about the the gooey tentacles this is, i think that's the one thing that i kind of noticed and didn't like about the film uh is the tentacles sometimes looked a little out of place uh i i agree it, it's they, the they one a little 3d ish yeah it's the one time when because 
as as you learn, you know, as I learned more about how anime gets made, and I think if if anyone else goes out and does the research, there's a lot more CG in a show than you think. Uh, CG is used a lot, and and most of the time it's pretty well disguised. And even in Mugen Train, uh, there are time like that's the thing is that the tentacles weren't always you know, visually <laughs> standing out. Sometimes they, they fit in perfectly, but there were there were just a couple individual circumstances, uh, mostly when they're, like, interacting with those background characters, like the, the passengers mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, I think in the scene where, like, Nezuko is fighting a bunch of tentacles in one of the train cars, uh, and the tentacles are, like, menacing the passengers, uh, the, the, the tentacles look really 3D, and, like, everything else looks really 2D, and so that, that stands out. And then... And and the other time that it kind of sticks out to me is the lighting. Uh, and especially even if you look at the exterior of the train once it transformed, the tentacles are way shinier than anything else uh, in the film. And oh, the way that they interact with light sources makes them look a little out of place sometimes. And I think that's because the way that the shadows, yeah. the, the art style of Demon Slayer doesn't make for really easy shadows. And so, and then when you have that with the computer-generated shadows, which are very accurate to real life, they don't mesh 100% with the rest of, like, the backgrounds. And so it makes the compositing look a little weird. Oh, because it's supposed to take place at night, and then on top of that, like, Demon Slayer, like, their their breathing powers, where it almost has, like, that 2D, 3D render, when, like, the the water, fire, like... Oh, yeah. I could see how that so, would mess with the lighting on that. Um, yeah, and so the, the tentacles just look a little out of place, which I know could be explained as just the demons are monsters. They don't. They they're not part of the natural world. They don't belong. Yeah, here. Like the stuff that they're made out of <laughs> that, doesn't that, belong. But that was gonna be my my you know throw. What's yeah? I guess throwaway answer to that. It's like oh well, you know, it makes it seem otherworldly and out of place. It's jarring that way, but. But sometimes yeah. it is it does distract from what is an otherwise very visually appealing scene. And it's mm-hmm. not enough to... It didn't ruin my viewing experience. It's just something that comes up and I'll look at it and go, that's not great, but then I'll get distracted by whatever else is going on. <laughs> I think that's my only, like, technical aspect, like, ding against the film. and But it's not like it's an uncommon one. You see that all the time in shows where, where the 3D and the 2D don't always mesh the way that they're supposed to. I was about to say, so, like, the only other example I can think of a giant tentacle monster that looks very out of place, even though it's part of the show, was, like, the Fate Zero giant caster spaghetti monster looking thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I don't know, maybe t- tentacle monsters are hard. <laughs> it's like... Yeah, it's maybe it's maybe it's just like uh, you know, I think I remember when Tangled came out, every like tangenting real quick, when Tangled came out, everybody <laughs> in the animation industry was like losing their mind because the hardest things to do in that like 3D animation is water and hair. Those are the two hardest things to animate. And the tentacles do have this water like texture. And so maybe and that's kind ju- of hair like. <laughs> yeah, and so maybe maybe that's just maybe that's just the the thing is that out of all the possible textures that they were going to work with, that was the one that fit the setting best but is also the least developed even though it's still very very good. Personally, I I like uh SSSS Dinozanon and Gridman where <laughs> the big 3D robots and kaiju look so out of place but like 
in a good way. Yeah, that's that's the style. It's like, oh, it's the yeah. big immobile <laughs> robot. It looks like a giant yeah. big immobile robot. <laughs> yeah, yeah the, te- the tentacles were just kaiju, and the, the mech was the train. Yeah, that that's the that's that's the thing. Also, though, is is the fact that you know they're they're supposed to look out of place, maybe, and also that the art style of Demon Slayer leans into like really thick lines. Like mm. yeah, very, the, very heavy the line work. Are and, so thick. Yeah, and that doesn't like, work with the tentacles because the tentacles. It was are, also yeah. like I noticed a little interesting when there were scenes where there's like crowds of normal passengers that are just background characters, and it's so clear they're just not thick outlined like all the main cast in the foreground. Yeah, like you don't even need to have your main characters dress up in bright yellow, green, or just shirtless. You just draw their outlines with the slightly Yeah, <laughs> It's like you have a mouse cursor like highlighted over them. Yeah. So, I think that's like my only ding. Uh, the other thing that I don't, like, that I would say is like a negative. There's one thing I have that is a uh, that is a um, that is like a neutral change, which is Enmu, the sleep demon that, ru- that turns into the change. Or that not changed that uh, turns into the train. I did not expect the voice that he got. Oh yeah, yeah. So when I read the manga, the voice that like played out in my head that was not that, and compared to the one that actually shows up in the film, that was not like the tone of voice, uh, or or a kind of inflection that I expected. Uh, but I'm not objectively correct when it comes to casting films, so I'm totally okay with it. You know, not being what I expected. I thought it was a very soft voice, but like it had that dreamlike, sleepy quality that was fitting. Of yeah. Mm-hmm. Powers. Yeah. Um, yeah. That that whole we we talked a little bit about the dream sequences and like some of the fun characterization, but like more on the serious. Um, I'm I'm directing away from the the technical aspects again, which I really have nothing else to say about. Like again, it was like an A plus. Yeah. Like, just you know a couple little points dinged off but those dream sequences were great and what we were talking about with rengoku and like our investment with this character the other great thing the movie did i think in with its kind of a part and b part was that the earlier parts like really showed like so beautifully and authentically in my opinion like how selfless and good-natured tanjiro is but emphasis on selfless like he would just you know put everyone else before himself and this and that but then you get him injured and unable to fight and rengoku steps in and like fills that position of selflessness arguably even one-ups tanjiro and i thought that was just pretty incredible i was like wow they really like put put Tanjiro on such a pedestal for me, like, on that front already, and then Rengoku still just outdid it, and I, I was kind of amazed. Yeah, exactly. Like, when when the Dream Invader goes in, and it's like, I'm here to kill Tanjiro in his dream, and he gets to the core, and it's this this beautiful, beautiful, oh, yeah. pierceless sun. <laughs> there's the water. There's, like, eight or not, like, seven or eight. I forgot how many of those, like, 
light figures, but the there's, figures... There's, like, three yeah. light figures that are like, oh, you need to go here, we'll take you there. Like, follow like, me. Swear, like, that was, like, <laughs> one for each member of, like, Tanjiro's dead family. I'm pretty sure that's what, like, there was, oh, like, God. seven or eight of them total, and, like, oh, that man, guy was like so overwhelmed, be like, I can't kill yeah. this guy, he's too pure for this world. Like, yeah. what am I doing? It's like, oh, you're, you're looking for my core to kill me? Here you go. Why, why'd you leave me here? I'm trying to kill you. And it was, like, interesting, like, like, wanted to. yeah, like, Rengoku was not as pure as Tanjiro, but it's still like that shining um, value. Like his perfect dream was basically still not winning the love of his father, but like looking out for his brother. So even though he's not like a hundred percent pure, like Tanjiro has been, it's he still puts others first through his brother. And like, um, and that's kind of ultimately what leads to the point you made Medi. And I, I thought that that part, I think sealed the emotional payoff going in. And then when Ringo, who met his match, um, with that crow when the crow has to deliver the news like everyone's crying Inosuke's crying yeah. the crow is flying away with a single tear oh, in Christ, his eyes yeah. and I swear I think that was the part where like I had tears rolling in my eyes because that was Aww. so sad and like I don't get emotional at these movies like this like it's just like insane how much I, this I, affected I, me as I was watching I, I got a little teary eyed I didn't like downright cry which is what I would say for like the opening episode of To Your Eternity. Yeah. <laughs> but with Demon Slayer, I think maybe because I haven't fully delved into the series and like allowed myself that full investment, I still felt like, I don't know. It, it was very good and emotional, but a different kind. Everybody's got it, their It worked uh, for the, it like it earned the payoff, I would say. It wasn't yeah, like a shocking uh, yeah. ending. I mean, it, like I said, it, it could have gone either way with that last fight. So like, mm-hmm. if you didn't know what was going to happen, like I think the tension really yeah. makes the emotional payoff hurt. And if, even if you knew what was going to happen, I think seeing it animated like makes it hurt even more. And then in yeah, the credits it, with the broken sword just laying there and the, Oh my gosh! I, I bet. I mean, I don't. I didn't see it in theater, so I'm not really sure what anyone else is like. The audience reaction would be, but I was like, "Oh man, I was in pain." Oh. We, our audience in the theater was pretty was pretty quiet through the whole thing. Um, there was but, one guy that was like <laughs> cheering or like oh. fist pumping about the something about the train. Yeah, like, was it fighting the train or there was another there was another oh. dude that was just thinking just <laughs> like I did. I think it was like when Inosuke was like, "All right, it's time to fight the train," and this guy like two rows in front of us in the theater did like this like yeah kind of fist pump. <laughs> oh, like the, like anime crowds in the U.S. where everyone's like going crazy at the. But there's not enough people because it's like the theater isn't at like full capacity, yeah, yeah, so we can't like sustain the energy. <laughs> anime expo cheering. Yeah, before. and that's the thing is, is it is like an actual real theater, so people did follow the etiquette that they're supposed to, as opposed to like an anime convention screening where everybody is screaming at the same time at the same thing. That's yeah. really funny because his heart is like, I want to get past the COVID times, and like he's, it's so close. We're so close to normal seeing yeah. like what yeah. that feels. I remember just before COVID times was when I saw Konosuba Legend of Crimson and there were some pretty loud moviegoers in the theater. Yeah. Like one of the friends I went to see it with like actually called them out at the end of the movie. He's like, hey, you guys are too loud. <laughs> <laughs> it's a balance. I think that's one of the things where I'm like, sometimes it's awesome. Sometimes it, I'm just like, please, can you, can you not? Like not, not yeah, every time. Pretty much. Yeah. 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 So one thing I, I have written here on my story notes, uh, I, I have my notes for the plot, and the first bullet point is just, good. And then the second <laughs> bullet point, 
is uh, they were very loyal to the manga. So I reread these chapters as I was doing my research for this, uh, for oh. this podcast. And there was something in the movie, because it's been a while since I, and it also had been a while since I'd read those chapters. So when I watched the movie, I knew kind of roughly what it was, but was also like, oh, wait, what about this? Uh, and it was like, how did the rest of the, how did the rest of the cast wake up from their dreams? Because Tanjiro kills himself. Like, that's his, that's his realization of like, that's how I wake up. But everybody else is just suddenly awake after a certain amount of time. And I was like, I wonder how they did that. And I was rereading the manga. And then one of the, like, after chapter, the mangaka gets to, like, draw themselves in saying something. And so it's their self-insert being like, oh, yeah, I forgot to mention, Nezuko burned all the tickets with her magic demon fire. And that's why everybody else woke up. I kind of forgot to include that. Uh, (laughs) as just like this extra bonus page. And I think it's really funny that despite having that information, the film adaptation was like, we're not going to tell people how everybody else woke up. It was interesting. They made a whole point of her burning the ropes, but not yeah. the tickets. Mm-hmm. And they mentioned Zenitsu was still asleep while doing most of his fighting. Yeah. But Inosuke actually woke up. Yes. And same with um, Rengoku. Yeah. Um, and I, it would be criminal not to mention Rengoku just choke-holding a little girl <laughs> in his sleep. Like... It's, it's, it's... <laughs> it was supposed to be a serious dramatic part, but it looked so funny. Like, a few oh. of us were just chuckling at it. I couldn't help. Yeah, it's, that's also the one time where, like, some narration would have helped, because in the manga they're like, ah, this is why it's a stalemate, because Rengoku can't kill human beings, and so he's, like, stuck holding oh. her, but she also can't kill him because she's being choked. Or that could just... I would have was, liked that, yeah. he was just trying to talk to her. That's just how he talks to short people. Yeah, <laughs> it made it look like he just didn't care that he was about to murder a child in cold blood. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it would have been nice to have James. That... Yes. Got a report. James. I have I have my anime on rails report. And if we had if I had a soundboard I would put a yeah. little chugga 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 I'm so mad. I I so we were going to record this last week and I went out and I found a wooden train whistle <laughs> that I have in my house and I was going to blow the train whistle. And then we postponed the recording a week, and I was like, let's, "Oh, I'll remember it. Let's Don't worry." Find a stock train image, like whistle noise, and just put it. <laughs> yeah, at this it, point. it's not too late. We we can edit. You you, you edit it. You can. <laughs> oh, yeah, so I'll be right back anytime. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'll be right. Back. Don't pause your recording. I, I'm, I'm still I'm going. Just I'm just. This, this is gonna get Please cut. Hold technical difficulties. Someone play a elevator music, or Eric Andre will be right back. Ba, I don't know. Ba, 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 ba. All right, I'm back and with a seamless edit, which you which means that you've just heard my voice and then heard my voice again. But anyway, yes, it's time for us to talk about the train in Mugen Train. That's a train. That's a tra- that sounds like a pan flute. I think you need to blow harder than that. Okay. Is that why there's a pan flute in the Legend of Zelda Spirit Tracks? Is because it sounds the same as a train whistle? Listen, listen. I'll get into the de- the finer details of uh, of of train horn design later. Uh, but all good train horns are actually multiple frequencies at once, uh, anywhere between three to five. So they'll be either a triad or like that a sounds full-on about chord, right. Yeah. Uh, to make them sound fuller, so that people can hear them better. Even yeah. even uh, like old steam trains that are where the whistles are powered by excess steam, they've got it's usually three different whistles playing three different tones. Um, 
Which is also why some people in the rail fan community will go out and compare train whistles. Uh, so I'm not that far into it, but the stock train whistle that they used in the film can probably be traced to a particular locomotive because that's how they captured the, uh, the sound to begin with. So some people go wow. around being like, well, this one model in the film has this horn, but that doesn't actually belong to that train. It belongs to this different locomotive over here. But anyway, let's talk about the train. See, th- th- this sounds funny, but I'm from a camp of people that will watch a movie and be like, they showed an eagle on screen, but that was actually the cry of a red-tailed hawk they used. <laughs> I can't judge. Yeah. So um... I, I, d- I don't think crows can uh, cry from their eyes, by the way, but you know, we'll allow it. It's, it's, there's demons. What, I mean, like, what do, what do you expect? Yeah, gotta, exactly. Gotta hand away <laughs> stuff away. Um, but anyway, yeah, so the train in Demon Slayer Mugen Train has, there's, there's a real train that it's based on, or that most people think it's based on, which is the Hachiroku 8620 class steam locomotive, uh, which is actually a surprisingly well-known uh, locomotive there is in the visual novel Maitetsu. There's a character that's based on that uh, particular model as well. It's a 260 locomotive, tender locomotive, which means it's got two guiding wheels, six driving wheels, no trailing wheels, and then it's got a tender. So it's that car that's right behind that holds all the water and all the coal. And this series of this class of locomotives was manufactured between. 1914 and 1929 which puts it firmly in the taisho era which is the same time period that demon slayer takes place in and if you look at the version in the movie and also the version in the manga because there's a a chapter like chapter art for it uh the um there are a lot of specific a lot of things that are similar uh the smokestack placement the headlight placement the only thing that's different is that in the manga and the movie they the locomotive is missing smoke deflectors which basically were these little pieces of metal that stick up like horse blinders that exist to um keep the smoke out of the out of the engineer's face in the actual like operations part of the locomotive and there are a couple of these locomotives that still exist one of them is in working order and you can you can take train rides in it in Kumamoto prefecture and then there's a couple that exist but aren't operating uh, like, there's one at the Tokyo Train Museum and one in Kyoto's Train Museum and a couple other cities across Japan. So if you really, really like the train in the movie and you find yourself in Japan, there are many ways for you to see the actual film, uh, the actual train that was in the film. Now, oh, yeah. Wasn't there, like, a, th- a promotional thing? I saw something on Twitter where it was, like, yeah, yeah, they yeah, had yeah. an actual replica Mugen train. Was that using, like, the same kind of model, or was it, like, as close as they could try to get it to? So, the promotion that you're talking about happened at the end of 2020. So, rip everybody not in Japan, because travel was well and truly oh, yeah. shut down by then. This was back when the movie was airing in Japan, right? Yes. So, it was, it was something that tied in with the film uh, airing in Japan. And that used a different locomotive, a different set of locomotives, uh, one of which was the C61 class locomotive and the D51 class locomotive. And so the reason why they used those is because JR East operates those two to run something called Joyful Trains, which are basically vintage steam tours. Uh, 
you know, living history kind of things. People, rail fans or ordinary people can ride the exclusive old steam train. Um, and I'll include a, li a link to like either the Twitter account for it. And then also like one or two news articles relating to it. Now that the campaign has been over for, you know, a while now. Um, and so those are not the same trains that are in the film. These trains that they used were manufactured like 20 years after the period in which Demon Slayer takes place in. Uh, but it's a real, it's still like that cool vintage steam locomotive experience. Uh, and so those you can visit as well. There's a couple operational ones, including the ones that still run in Gunma Prefecture through JR East. Um, and yeah, the campaign was basically just some themed train rides. So they had character goods. They had all the characters dressed up in like train conductor and staff uniforms. So like little acrylic keychains and whatnot. You could buy special uh, train station bentos. Uh, and apparently, if you dressed up in period clothing, like, if you dressed up in clothes from the Taisho era, you got, like, exclusive goodies that you only got if you dressed up. Which I think is amazing, and I think every promotion should do that if it's, like, a historical fiction thing. Like, if you dress up, like, the time period, you get some goodies. Because I love dressing up like that, but I can't justify doing it in my day-to-day -day because people look at me funny. We're, we're just waiting, essentially, for your birthday, or, like, as a very, very late post-COVID where we could finally do like a dinner slash murder mystery on a train experience. Yeah. Hell yeah. I'm so I'm gonna, I want to be like the that. dead body again. <laughs> <laughs> you just like lay in a different compartment like the whole train ride. <laughs> I, I've, I've done this on a stage for two hours. Well, not two hours, but at least an hour. So I'll, I'll do it on a train too. But yeah, I mean, as far as, as far as historical accuracy for Demon Slayer, you know, the manga and the anime... Uh, 10 out of 10 accuracy um, for converting a train from that time period into the into the media. As for the promotional campaign, good try. You picked a steam locomotive, but you know, 40, you know, 20 years, 20 years younger, and wrong wheel arrangement, and all sorts of other stuff. But you work with what you have to. Like no one okay. can justify building yeah, a new did, locomotive from scratch. Did, did they did they pick a good train just? As far as vibes. Oh, as far as vibes? Absolutely. The The C61 series and its cousin, the D51 series, are, are both really, really nice, classic-looking um, Japanese steam trains. Like, if you were to... If, if you were to imagine what a generic steam locomotive is, that is what it looks like. Um, I think even outside of Japan those particular locomotives are the ones that are most well-known, at least as far as American fans of railroading that like Japanese trains. That is the one, you know, that, that, that C60, uh, C61 D51 series. Very, very nice trains. They picked good trains for the, for the, for the campaign. Absolutely. Look good. That's, that's what matters. Vibes. Very good. I, I do have some, as far as accuracy, actually, I, I wrote this down. Uh, I do have a couple questions. I know that nobody listening is going to answer them, and I doubt that you two have any answers for them, but about the concept of the Mugen train, not the like, ooh, a demon owns a train, but the the overnight service of a steam locomotive from one station to another, mm -hmm. I have okay. a couple questions. <laughs> First, why only eight cars? I'm pretty sure that the train can pull more than eight cars. Okay. Second, this is an overnight train. Why is there no first or second class cabins? 
If you if you remember, all of the cabins, all the train cars <laughs> are just these wooden boxes with simple wooden benches, no cushions, no nothing. This is an overnight train. Rich people are riding on these things. They should be paying for beds and a dining car and porters. Speaking of porters, where's the car for the staff to stay in? Where's the baggage car? Where's the oh, dining that, that, car? Is, There's is a, a lot question missing for us. There, there was a staff. Wasn't just... there a staff car in in the movie? Isn't that where he rounded up all the kitties? I don't think so. There might them. even there might have been maybe I'm misremembering the something. Very front, maybe I thought. Was well, they they right. were like in the front because he the demon was like telling the kids like, all right, That's do true. this. So I give you good dreams. That's true. So uh, as far as your other questions, I'm just you know this is just conjecture, but maybe because it's an overnight service, the the demand isn't wasn't extremely high. That's why there weren't a ton of cars. Uh, but yeah, that then it gets. I don't know. You, you can kind of answer one question with the other. Like, there aren't many cars, and there aren't any good cars. Therefore, rich people won't ride it. Yeah. And not many people are riding this line. Therefore, we're not. We don't have a lot of cars on the train. Uh, but sleeper sleeper cars are how trains made their money. Third third class was basically like throwing the poor people a bone. Passenger rail makes all of its money from first and second <laughs> well, class. The other question is, how long has this train been haunted slash possessed? Because Maybe that's why it's a failing train line. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, people, maybe it's like, just... I could not sleep if they were like, yeah, some people got disappeared on this train. Like, good night. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, and what? Had really good or really bad dreams. So, yeah. the thing, if, if there's eight cars, like you said, is it just because the number eight looks like an infinity sign, which goes back into the Mugen slash infinity train? Because, like... That that could be it. Who knows? Like, yeah. I don't know. I've, I've, I've learned... <laughs> The similarities between the number eight and infinity, thanks to SK Ato, the infinity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe it's eight cars because, uh, because, um, it eight turns sideways since infinity. And maybe they're all third class cars because let's be perfectly honest, plain wooden benches are a, benches are a heck of a lot easier to draw. It is true, yeah. If it's like he doesn't have to think about like the continuity between like which car okay. he's like, wait, this is the first class car, and he's got like map it out like it's a D and D campaign, like as he's drawing yeah. the manga, like play by play. Hold on a second. Eight third class cars. Eight times three is twenty four. There's twenty four episodes of Demon Slayer the TV anime. There's twenty four hours in a day. We've cracked the code. <laughs> I, I don't know where to keep going with this, uh, but there's some Illuminati stuff going on. <laughs> how many? Well, now that we've reached. <laughs> Question on a train of that era: How many cars can a train get before it gets completely ridiculous, like something out of Snowpiercer, where it's just uh, this so ten mile long train? That's a super interesting question because I don't know the horsepower specs on those steam locomotives. I can tell you that as far as modern-day freight trains are concerned, those can be a mile long. Mm. So it depends. Yeah. And But those are usually, like, two or three units. Um, but still, I think just basing it on, on modern passenger rail today, you should be able to consistent. For, like, one engine like that, you should probably be able to pull more than eight cars. Especially since, in the era that this takes place, uh, those cars are made out of wood and not out of, like steel or anything like that which also means that the part when the train derails they should have all turned into matchsticks like everybody should have died 
But it was also I, I was that was actually a question <laughs> I had. It's like how realistic was the train derailing like such crashing? Like should people have been as okay as they were? So you can get nitpicky like specific years because the Taisho era was when they made that change from wooden cars to steel cars, and they made the ah. change to steel cars because there were a couple really nasty train accidents where the cars basically oh. disintegrated and everybody died. Can, can, oh, can we not? I think you're killing Rengoku's dying vibes. Like he, <laughs> he, his dying mother just told him he did a good job we shouldn't we he, should he not tell set, him about he, the, 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 he's the one who set the train on fire no, no we like, can explain he is the fire one. Too, you're right yeah. but <laughs> he did set the train on fire we, we can explain that away nick because while yes the wooden train car should have basically dissolved upon impact at this point they were also part demon it's true i don't know what demon and demons are immortal but... therefore the train is immortal there we go okay it's truly infinite <laughs> all right so i think the takeaways here are train good movie good that's uh, that's that's how james gets up in the morning he just it really is <laughs> looks in the mirror those are the first two things he whispers. <laughs> i mean I, I mean as far as a conclusion to this podcast uh watch the movie when it becomes available to you I'm going to buy it on Blu-ray, you know, for several reasons. One, because, yes, Train. But two, also because, again, stunning visuals, excellent sound design, good music, like, technically a very competent film, and an emotional story. I don't know if I'll buy the Blu-ray. It just depends on if my PlayStation uh, movie that I purchased legally with the credit oh, card... Yeah. If that is still in my library, and if my credit card has still been charged, then I'm going to say I own the movie from there. Oh, for sure. <laughs> I don't know if they took it out of my inventory and still charged me or something. I gotta, I gotta check that out. <laughs> yeah, I'm not... I don't buy a ton of Blu-rays, partially because I no longer have Nick's PS4 to play Blu-rays on. <laughs> but... <laughs> Yeah. Well, th th this has been a very fun discussion. I, I um, think this is, as much as it's kind of fallen apart towards the end of it, this is the most, uh, like, I've smiled during a podcast that I've done in a while. Wow. <laughs> I'm happy to hear that. I mean, like, I'm almost sad to hear that. They're like, dang, you're not smiling in our podcast. I'm not, I'm not Debbie Downer all the time, but, like, I got to rant about trains, which I very rarely get to do on the podcast. So if maybe if you That's want true. to see more train-related stuff, because we have plenty of uh, Anime on Rail articles that we can pull up, that if James yeah. wants to just give an audio version of that, like, let maybe? us know Who if knows? there's a demand for it. Um, I'll, I'll Even if there isn't a demand for it, I'll write the articles regardless. Yeah. So and expect... if. Expect an if anime you, on rails for the Mugen Train film in the next two if, weeks. If you prefer your, your anime conversations off rails, as in conversations that are always derailed, then just listen to literally any of our other podcast mm -hmm. episodes. It's what we're best at. Yep. yep. And if you have any suggestions, feel free to <laughs> at But not today, because Anna Twitter is kind of cursed right now. This is currently May 4th. I don't want to talk about it, but... It's some sort of season, <laughs> some sort of matchmaking season on Annie Twitter. That is, yeah. Whichever whichever listener is just smitten by James's train knowledge, uh, he is single. <laughs> so just uh, just tweet him and say he's your Annie, Annie Twitter Twitter's... bachelor of choice. Oh my gosh! Oh no! All right. Anyway, I'm gonna thanks. That's the podcast. <laughs> yeah, thanks, thanks so much, everybody. For Have a good night. Yeah. Goodbye, yeah. everyone. Thank thanks you. for listening. <laughs>